This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Families. We are so glad you're here with us. Yep, we've got another good episode. We've been kind of talking about dating a lot. Yeah, you could say that this is maybe part three of a three-part series. That's right, that's right. But before we get into that, we want to just remind you all to uh, please check us out on Facebook and Instagram and follow us. That's how we kind of get information out of what's going on. We actually still have a um, great series coming up. A big event. A big event. That's right. The Birds and the Bees, How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex and Puberty, November 13th. Check out our website for more information. Or you can go to LegacyKnoxville.com, click on the Belong, Connect, Events, and you can find more information there as well. Yep. And so that's going to be really good. We've been through that one time, and uh, we're looking forward to going through it another time. Yeah. And so, um, and then also we have uh, this podcast. You can rate and review it. Yep. And it helps us get the word out to more people. Yeah, share it. Share it. We want to grow this thing. Especially if, you know, maybe you have some friends that are dating the last few episodes. Could be good. And you might be wondering, why is Reclaiming families talking about dating and i would say in most cases most families start with a date that's right that's right but some of them don't and we're not all of them not all of them but most of them probably that we know in our society that's right right. someone took someone on a date at some point and then maybe a few more dates and then all of a sudden you know what a family blossomed that's right that's right so uh let's let's dive into it today we want to talk about like you said dating and um we are because we've kind of been given feedback too a little bit of like we gave a lot of our story some do's and don'ts but we want to wrap it up and put a bow on it with some clear here's some perspective because again we've said this the last two like the bible's not does not talk about dating like the word dating does not show up ever um so it's hard to be like this is what the bible says about dating but at the same time it's pretty easy because there's some things that um just clear biblical principles that should be applied to every area of our lives that are oftentimes neglected i guess when dating comes up because our hearts are pulling us in um so many directions and we want to follow our heart instead of follow the leading of the spirit and so um while it's not clear what the Bible says about dating, at the same time, it kind of is clear that because is principles, of these principles. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so I guess before we get started, we wanted to kind of give some perspective on dating and the history of dating. Hmm. And uh, I think it's important for us to think about because, you know, it's wild to realize that the world today is not like the world that used to be. And uh, some things have not changed the sin of man, the pride of man, you know, it's like there's our problems are probably the same problems people have been having for generations, but dating has actually changed. Yeah. And, uh, and if you look back in other cultures around the world, they date very different than we date. And so I think it's good to broaden our horizons and to consider the implications of how dating has been different and how that affects 
our life today if you're deciding that hey you want to date somebody yeah and so or if you're trying to give advice to someone who's wanting to date somebody yeah that's right that's exactly right and so i think the first big thing to think about is that uh, predominantly across the world dating has been arranged marriages non-existent some would say that's right that's right yeah dating as we know it uh yeah it was probably non-existent back in the world now i know that there's probably a lot of like jane austen books or something like that or or what's that show of uh, back in the 1800s or the kings and queens and you know what i'm talking about um, um uh uh downton down abbey downton abbey you know and uh all these love stories back in the days of kings and queens but you know by and large that just wasn't true <laughs> and uh i have a feeling he hasn't seen read any jane austen books or that's right but i have an idea of what they're about <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen downton abbey i've never ever. seen those i've never seen or read those i've seen one yeah. episode of downton abbey actually at your house back a long long time ago um with my mom or something no with you and ben we were watching Downton Abbey? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. The only episode I've ever seen. Could have surprised All me. I'll have to say, he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to that. I know for a fact. That's but right. he can he can say that dating didn't exist, but, but making what, the assumption that those were about. That's right. What I assume is they're just about you know finding love. I find my true love, and I want to marry them. Uh, but you know, by and large, it's been arranged marriages. And still today, in India, there's a lot of arranged marriages. And some other cultures, too, right? And some other cultures. And so, you know what's wild? Is that many of them work very well, <laughs> and uh, and so that's something to consider. That uh, you know, in America, we're always looking for Mister Right, Mister Right, or maybe you're looking for Mister Right or Mrs. Right. But um, you know, it's also possible that your parents could just pick Mister or Mrs. Right for you, and you could make it work. You know, this might be a side note, but I think it's a perfect time to pitch that I would love to start a dating site that's, that's so not weird. just the typical dating site, but it, it's like sign yourself up for an arranged marriage and we will filter through it and that's we'll right. match make you. And I think that if somebody would trust us with that, wow, we'd knock it out of the park. That's right. That's right. Because I think the keys with mm. arranged marriages are... You have a third party who knows you. And loves you. And loves you and is finding somebody that shares your values, that is like you, uh, that they believe would be compatible with you. But also at the same time, and I'm not pitching like, let's just go back to arranged marriage. I was about marriages. to say, we're, we're not, I know we're, it sounds like we are, but we're absolutely not pitching arranged marriages. That's right. We're just pitching that. It's it, possible. And it could it work. The dating's right. not work. the only way. Yep. It's not always works, but so work. when did it, when did we start dating then? If if it was normally arranged marriages, when did we start dating? Yeah, I think we started dating in uh, really in like the nineteen twenties, nineteen forties. That's not too long ago. That's not. The, I mean, in the history of the world, you know, it's kind of recent. And the big thing that really started dating was the automobile. Mm, riding in cars with boys. Yeah, and uh, because all of a sudden. That was really the first time where you could really travel. You were like the automobile really gave everybody some freedom to go out and out. So I mean, I imagine you could get on your horse <laughs> and you could load, you know, your wagon and you could head off. But um, you know, by and large, it was the automobile 
that made it that boys and girls could jump in their cars and go on dates, go to town, um, and make it pretty easy to do so. They started going steady. Going steady. Now, before that, though, I think dating was primarily done in the house. Like, a, a man would come court uh, somebody else's daughter and... Maybe even get a dowry for it. <laughs> That's right. I don't know the history of dowries and stuff, <laughs> but um, it was the idea that there was also, there was community involved, and the community was the parents. When uh, somebody wanted to date somebody's daughter, like I said, they came to their house. They courted them. The family got to know them. But it was all at home. <laughs> and uh, and so there wasn't much, hey, let's just go, um, let's go have a late night. We'll be out and about. And go see go, a movie. Go see a movie. I feel like that's what fun. I think, like, you know, Brady Bunch dating, like, take her to a movie. Yeah. But that was all fairly Dinner. recent. Fairly recent. And the automobile was really the game changer. And then I think in the 1960s, you started having the sexual the beginnings of the sexual revolution. Which is... Post World War II. That's right, and so uh, I'm not sure exactly what you know. I've got some. Uh, we'll just forget the post World War II. Okay. But uh, but I think the big thing is that the sexual revolution in the '60s really started to popularize the idea that you could separate sex from marriage, hmm. and uh, that was the. I think that's a lie that was told, and that that is a lie. That you can separate sex from a relationship when, in reality, sex is always going to unite you to the person that you're having sex with. And you don't have this written down there, but I also assume, oh, I don't assume I know that this is also, you know, in the rise of the sexual revolution is also the rise of, um, especially for women, sex without consequences. You bring birth control into the picture, like the pill, condoms into the picture, and abortion Comes and on the, the scene Lewis like Rovers, what seventies or something seventy three or seventy four yeah. I believe, and uh, and so yeah so and that changed the dating world, I mean just completely mm-hmm. and uh, or not I mean radically, and so also it kind of brought the idea of like many marriages yeah that hey you're kind of dating you're having sex. Um, and it's sort of like you're enjoying all the privileges of marriage, but and then you're emotionally involved like a little mini marriage. That's right. Um, I cannot drive that home enough. Like you are, when you are having sex, you are physically attached. You're emotionally attached. You're like physiologically, like your brain is becoming entwined with that other person. But not just with sex. I think that like many marriages, just that level of commitment, or I guess I'm going to say the level of intimacy without commitment. And so this like exclusivity, long-term exclusivity, um, like the emotional knowing of each other, not only sexual or physically, but emotionally, kind of that playing house, like this, like he's mine, I'm his. That's right. Like it's not only sex, I think, like that makes a mini marriage. But it also, if you have all these mini marriages, it's also many divorces come right. with it. That's exactly right. And so the idea that, hey, when I am dating so-and-so, she's mine, nobody nobody talked to her, um, I'm jealous over her, and uh, but then all of a sudden there's a breakup at the end of these mini marriages, and you're really just kind of training yourself that hey, if this doesn't work out, I'll get divorced. Hmm. And uh, it is this training ground if you think about it, how much our brains are being cultivated to to date, to be exclusive, uh, to enjoy the pleasures of marriage without the commitment of marriage, and then also to end it 
all very abruptly or when things get bad, things get hard. Yeah. And so I lay all that out for you to just consider how your life, um, you know, how some of that history has affected you today. Hmm. And, uh, and a lot of people are having trouble dating because they're trying to do these little mini marriages and they're dating people that have done these little mini marriages and it hasn't worked out and, and we're scarred and beat up. And, uh, and at least to some of the, like I said, the frustrations in dating today. Yeah. And so moving forward, we kind of want to operate off of a very specific definition of dating because honestly, you know, there's a lot of definitions out there. One of the first definitions I heard was um, a set meeting between a, a man and a woman to spend time together or something like that. But honestly, it's like to, in this day and age, dating, like it's not even a set man and woman um, because like our like the society has just twisted what like romantic intentional dating is. So we're going to operate for the rest of the podcast off a very specific definition of dating. And it is... It's the intentional, selfless, and prayerful process of pursuing marriage. So it is moving towards marriage with someone of the opposite, opposite sex. sex. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that. Uh, so it's all dating is about. It's about marriage ultimately. Yeah, and so that kind of brings us like it's not a question of how do we date, but it's really a question of why do we date, and it's just you know. In the Bible, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 12, and then again in um, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it just continues to give this idea of, you know, there's a lot of things that are permissible, like that we are allowed to do, but not all things are beneficial for us to do. And so, you know, with that being said, if you were to ask somebody, like, why start dating? Most of the time, and I, I see this in my own life and in my own heart, it's like, why date? Because I want to. Why date that specific person? Because I want to. Um, and it's not always just for the reason of... Beneficial. That's yeah. beneficial. Like, I want to get married. And so in the, I there is like this, especially the older that you get, you know, um, I remember being like 28 years old and it's kind of like, okay, I want to get married. I have to put myself out there to go on dates and find a potential husband. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, but it is just a question of, am I looking to this for like satisfaction for attention or am I looking to this to have a marriage that will glorify the Lord and, and to move forward in that? And, you know, I could even say some stuff about online dating as far as just, because I'm not going to lie, I did a little casual dating 2018, and it did me right. I got married in 2018, um, but it wasn't my casual dating 2018 that got me married. Um but even just knowing your own heart, like, is are, are you someone that gets wrapped up in the emotions and, and you know, falls in love and marries every person you go on a date with in your head? Or are you someone who can have a little bit more self-control and, um, you know, I'm trying to say, you're not, you don't look like your face is falling <laughs> or agreeing with me. Well, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's the what's beneficial, right? We're getting back to what's beneficial in dating. And, uh, and we're saying that marriage is beneficial. Finding, finding a, a, a spouse to spend the rest of your life with, working together to cultivate a family, is beneficial. And it's a great 
thing. Now, it's not the ultimate thing. No. Nope. And if you end up being single the rest of your life, it's perfectly okay. And I would even say that for some people, it's, you know, they'd, they'd probably rather be single for the rest of their life than just marry the first person that gives them some attention. That's right. And it, it comes down to this. Where are you learning about dating from? Where are you, like, what perspective are you trying to date from? Is it what we see from the world, from media, from TV shows, from movies? Or is it from God's word? Is it from godly community that surrounds us and... Yep. We would just say. I said the world is so lost when it comes to dating and finding happiness. Holy cow. It's so wild. Just just finding happiness. Okay. People would say it's in uh, pursuing relationships with whoever you want, when you want, on your own terms. But no, the reality is the happiest people on this planet are heterosexual, married, religious, religious. couples. Yeah. Okay. So it's like when you're looking for happiness... You know, it's you know, trust somebody who's married fifty years, right? And is and is pretty happy in their marriage. And like those are the people on the planet that are the happiest. And so uh yeah, this world is so lost. Research shows that, not just Randy's yeah, opinion. Yeah, it's a Pew research study or something. Um Yeah, so this world is lost when it comes to finding happiness, but there is happiness to be found in this world. There's a lot of joy and it is living according to God's design. And you find that in God's Word. And so uh, so we want to give just some biblical parameters around marriage. One, I mean, really just one big biblical parameter and then maybe some, some stems, some branches off of that. And it would be these two things should be, and they kind of are one, really. The biggest thing you need to be considering in dating someone is the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and your personal holiness. And what we mean by the Lordship of Christ is making Him the King of every area of your life. He is the Lord. He is in control of it. And so it's not what do I want, but it is what does God want. And then personal holiness. Well, let me unpack. Let me talk about Lordship a little bit. Is... uh you know, I had a guy tell me, and I think this resonates with different personality types, but hmm. he was like, I was like, how do you know that so-and-so is the right person to marry? Like, how do I, my wife, like, how do I know that my wife is the right person for me to marry? He's like, man, it's when you have a sense that it's the woman that God would have you to marry and to take care of and to step up and be a man and lay your life down for. And uh, and that really gave me this sense that, yes, the Lord, I can seek the Lord's glory in how I care for um, Hillary, my wife. And it's this, I am submitting to the Lordship of Christ by providing for her, caring for her, looking out for her. That's and good. God is glorified in it. And so it's this idea that it's building my marriage as I seek, submit myself under the Lordship of Christ. It is strengthening and building my marriage. And even... Maybe to double click on that a little bit more is the Lordship of Christ, someone who you get excited about like God's design for marriage with. Um, because probably if you're not excited about laying down your life for someone um, in the very beginning or for women, if you're not excited about submitting in the very beginning, then it's only going to get harder <laughs> as time goes on. 
Absolutely. And so I don't I, I don't know that that would really fall under lordship, but I think it does because um, it's surrendering to the lordship of God's design for marriage. Not that it's not, you don't have to lay your life down and, um, and submit as dating people in the same way that you do as married people. But if we're intentionally working towards that, it needs to be something that we're considering. Absolutely. And then personal holiness. Yeah, we're, we're my personal wholeness is, um, you know, it's in a large part, you know, like purity, um, but also it's just your actions as well. Like you are above reproach and uh, a hatred of sin, a hatred of sin. So really set apart from what is evil, what is um, destructive and, uh, and it's saying, hey, I'm going to pursue what's beneficial for my um, this person I'm dating and my potential spouse. And so when you date, like you're seeking to build up your spouse and you're not seeking to get something from your spouse and to use your spouse for your own emotional gain or acceptance, but coming to, um, especially from the man's perspective, to lay down your life for your spouse or this potential spouse. That's good. Anything you want to add to that? I don't think so. Okay. So moving forward, maybe just like some red flags. Yeah. About dating. Um, And I think it's just like, to some degree, you can take dating lightly. Like, it's fun. It can be casual. But then to some degree, like, you should not take dating lightly because... Um, you know, it's that whole idea of the mini marriages that we were talking about. And so it's like, if you can handle casual dating, then that's one thing. But I would say for most women, our hearts, and and I don't know from the man perspective, but you know, this, this like casual dating, the same person, it's, it's not casual anymore. Like going to get to know somebody one time is very different than like, three months of dating the same person with no communication. And so we would just say um, communication is is very, very important. And communication needs to match the commitment. And so if you guys are hanging out with each other all the time, we would really encourage some communication about what that means. And then on the flip side, if you're communicating like, oh, we're going to get married one day, then that commitment really does need to back up your that's right your words and so um and i'd say that's just a principle again on your own personal character being true to what you're doing and and um what you're saying but but that's not a red flag that's right but i do want to hit something real quick i know we're we might we don't want to run too long on this but i want to say the thing about commitment is that you know if somebody is like hey listen i love you but not willing to commit their life to you, right? They're really saying, I love you, but I don't love you that much, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not more important than myself, my desires, my wants. I reserve the right to be able to walk out anytime I please. And I know people will tell me, I've heard people tell me, nah, you don't have to be committed. You don't have to be married. It's married. It's some kind, it's a it's an institution that's a broken institution, and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is. That if you really love somebody, you display that love by committing to them. And uh, and so a lot of people are just, a lot of men are being boys and they're scared to commit. And I'm, I'm one of them. You know, for so long, terrified of commitment. 
And uh, commitment scares me when I've got to commit myself. But in rea- in actuality, commitment is where you step up and you be a man if you are the man. And uh, and so I would say commitment is very, very important in dating and communicating that commitment. Because like you said, it can be casual. It's like, hey, listen, we are not pursuing dating. We're not pursuing marriage. We're just friends out on a date having fun. right? But you need to communicate that so that this person you're on a date with knows that that's exactly the level of commitment. And she doesn't need to wrap her heart up with you because uh, there you're is... You're doing this with another girl tomorrow. That's right. That's right. So, Which was not wrong as long right. as it's communicated. As long as it's communicated clearly. I think it's it's uh, it's okay. Because, you know, go have fun. Go... Uh, get to know people. Get to know people. That's How are you right. going to marry someone if you don't get to know them? Exactly. Or unless you have an arranged marriage. We've already discussed that's that. Right, that's right. Anyways, moving forward, we said this was going to be a shorter episode. Um, be aware of emotional scars yep so somebody who has a a bad emotional past um that could be a you know abusive relationships that could be uh it's pretty much know what you're trying to get from a person and try to be aware of what are they trying to get from you that's right. So if it's someone who, you know, has a lot of things like in their past with their family, um, with their own relationship with their dad, it's not like you're going to know all of those things from the get-go. Um, it, but even just knowing like their history of dating, um, you know, like with Randy, we've talked about it, but there was a lot of red flags there. I'd seen him date and in relationships with three different women in very short amounts of time. Um, and so that red flag was there. I could tell like there's probably something emotionally going on with him that's not healthy. Um, yeah. But I didn't listen to like I didn't listen to the warning signs. Um, and so that's just a principle of wisdom. Yep. Everybody has scars. Everybody has um, things that we're going to walk into marriage with. We all have burdens. Um but just be aware that that is the case as we step into new relationships. Yeah, I would say another red flag was goes along with the communication of somebody who is communicating commitment without giving any commitment, you know, and uh, or giving no, uh, or actually also somebody who is pursuing the privileges of marriage without the um, commitment of marriage. Yeah, that's good. Um, another one is don't assume that you're going to be the exception. So don't just assume that, you know, everybody else can make out for a long time and, and not become lustful or something like that. Like, don't just assume that you're going to be different or don't assume that, you know, like I did that he might date, you know, back to back women that, I'm the exception. I'm going to be the one that, you know, right. swoops sweeps him off his feet and he That's wants right. to marry me up. <laughs> Granted, I was the exception, but it just happened to be three years yeah. later. Um, and it wasn't because, uh, yeah, it was really because of character issues that I have, right, that made her the exception. And my wife is also exceptional, so mm. I want to stress that. <laughs> Anyways, so those are just some warning signs. Any other, like, red flags that you think we should yeah i think desperate people are kind of be aware of desperate people when somebody is desperate it's kind of like listen you're not really thinking but you're just really going off of your emotions and not that emotions are emotions are great they're good uh indicators 
Um, but uh, desperate people make desperately horrible decisions sometimes. That's good. So with those, it's like, well, who should we date or when should we date? Because it kind of sounds like right now it's no, 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 no. You should never date anybody ever until your parents say you should marry this person. Well, that's a wrap. That's right. No, no. There's there's a, a lot of great people to date, and uh, and I think that you should be dating them. You know, if uh, but here's here. Let me get let's let's go through some parameters. Who should we date? Someone with a good track record of walking with God for a while. So Christians should date other Christians. To have a proven tracker, not somebody who's just came to Christ. Uh, I would say that's very, very risky business. And uh, and just from my own story, right? You want to see him walk with the Lord for the long haul. That's right. So that, the, so that I mean, you can't know the future, but you want someone that's going to continue walking with the Lord for the long haul. Absolutely. Like, yeah, because in marriage, you are saying, "Here, I'm with you," and I don't know what the future is. I don't know what you're going to do. And uh, you don't know what I'm going to do. And so it's it's this risky business. But you do know if that person is going to continually choose God, choose the Lord and His design for marriage, He's going to continually choose you. And, uh, and so you want somebody with that, pra- uh, that proven track record. Who else should we date? Uh, someone who um, has high character. So not only are they walking with the Lord, but they are... You know, they value their character. And so somebody who has taken responsibility, like a man who's taken responsibility, and somebody who is a um, was going to step up and lead the relationship if it's a man. And, and a woman is somebody who has a, a gentle, caring, kind heart that loves and likes to pour her life out for other people. You know, and it's just even like a good test, like when you're out and about with someone, how do they respond in issues of character? Um, like, will they tell little white lies just to get by with something, you know, like, oh, we're taking my little brother to the zoo. Yeah. He's a child, but he's actually four instead of three, (laughs) um, just to get a kid's ticket or, but it's like as simple as that is, it tells about somebody's character if they're willing to tell the truth or do the hard thing, even if it might cost them a little bit, um, yeah, I'll tell you another one is a wife that is gentle and submissive to her parents, you know, and submissive to, um, you know, authority in her life of, you know, somebody who is, doesn't really just buck up in pride and say, you know what, um, I'm not going to submit to anybody. I'm number one. I'm Because I'm telling you, your marriage is going to be really hard. Yeah, and that could be hard in today's society to know, like, well, who is her authority? But how does she view her pastor? How does she view her boss at work? You know. Yeah. Does she have any authority? Is she the authority? You know, like I said, is she? She number one. You know. But sometimes she might be the authority just because of like she might be the boss. That's right. Sometimes she might be. And but so, is she uh, a boss with high character? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, being a boss is not the problem. But it's a there's always authority in our life that's above us. Like nobody, even I, I would I would say the president of the United States is not. Um, he's not above authority. Right, and so, uh, um, so he's he's you know submissive to the laws of the land, and so it's a uh, somebody who has yeah good character, key character's key because it is true like your looks are going to fade. You know, one day 
I'm not going to be half as attractive as I am today. Oh, good grief. <laughs> and uh, my wife isn't either. I'm and, getting gray uh, hair rapidly. But the truth is, is that that's going to fade, but her character will continue on. And uh, and so, and then also, somebody who's pursuing godliness. And they, it just kind of wraps up with one and two. Uh, but yeah, somebody who is choosing God's design, His way, over... Um, culture's way like they're choosing god's way regardless of anything else that's good so so really with that being said there's just two kind of this and we've talked about it you know the last two weeks but these are the two things that we really do believe like if you want to date well that you would one pursue purity and two that you would involve community so it's like if you will, if you want to date biblically, it's not just dating, it's life, like that you would pursue purity and that you would involve community. Yep. And then community is just, it's, I mean, purity and community, but I think purity is, we've talked about a little bit and community we've talked about as well, but I cannot, you know, talk about the joys of dating and community enough and uh it's also like you know i imagine these you know we talk about pre-arranged marriages but pre-arranged marriages are bringing community into your dating life and uh now i don't know if you have a say so in pre-arranged marriages but in dating where you do have a say so it's still beautiful to bring in community people who know you who know this person that you're dating and are able to Say, hey, look, we see your life. We know their life. We see where you're at. We've talked to you. And you know, we think that this person is a great person for you to pursue and to date. And it allows you to say, oh, okay. Let's, well, yeah. Well, I was going to say, let's talk about what dating involving community could look like in different seasons of life. Because, you know, a lot of dating perspective that we've heard was given to us in college or in college ministry where it was like, Take them on a group date, which I think is a great idea to, um, in, you know, in, in our community, the way it worked out was we were able to do that. We had a lot of single friends, um, and married couples without kids around us to where it was, we were able to go on group dates, um, where it was literally a big group hangout slash date, um, But we also know that that's not always the case. Like you might be dating someone long distance or you might be um, older and a lot of your people, you know, have kids and can't go bowling on a Friday night at eight o'clock because they have to be home to put their kids in bed or or they, they can do that, but it might be a little bit of a bigger sacrifice. So what can dating look like when you can't just go on group dates with all of your mutual friends? Yeah. That's a good. That, that's a great question. So, really, let's just talk about online long distance dating, right? Like, how could you possibly bring in community when you don't? They are across the globe, right? You're dating from afar, and I would say there's still plenty of opportunities to bring in community. Like, just having you could have a online game night. Or some play some game online. That's true. COVID has opened up the doors for us to know how to do things online. You could have your friends, you could have her friends, and y'all could be playing a game together and not make it just about you two, but just make it about a game night, a fun night with multiple people laughing, cutting up. Um, Now it's, I mean, 
yeah, it, it can be a lot of fun. And you know what? You're bringing in more people that get to, you know, it's not as good as being in person, but they get to kind of, you know, check out and get to know this person that you're you're dating or thinking about dating. And so another thing with long distance relationships, I think a lot of times it's more seen as, well, we don't get to see each other very often. So when we do see each other, we're just going to soak up all of the time that we have together. But I think we would encourage you to, yes, soak up all that time together and most of it be in community. So if he's coming down to see you ladies, then um, maybe set up some hangouts with some important people in your life. Have a game night where he can get to know your friends. Maybe get dinner with another couple that's really important in your life. And then for him, when you go up to visit him, have him do the same thing. Set up hangouts where you can get to know the important people in his life. So it's more of an intentional getting to know each other in that way. Um, and I'll say, I'll say too, like if you are one person that's like, you know, I, I just don't want to, because there's a lot of reasons to ignore community and to not be part of a community. And I think they're red flags. We didn't talk about them earlier, but it's like if somebody's trying to control the relationship and they're saying, listen, no matter what anybody else thinks, I'm going to have this relationship because I got to have it. It's a red flag. You know, or, or somebody who is, they're not allowing other people to speak in the relationship because they're afraid that they would say, hey, it's not good. They would end it. You are really not trusting the Lord, but you're close-handed putting your hand around this relationship. And you know what? That's a very toxic thing to do. And uh, it shows poor character. It shows poor trust in the Lord. And it shows poor, um, jeepers, um, submitting to authority of, to your friends around you, to counsel of other people, the body of, of believers around you. And so there's a lot of red flags when it's like, look, I'm, I'm too afraid to bring in all my friends to meet you because I'm afraid they won't like you. Yeah. And I think that the other side of that is just like, I don't get this time very often and I'm going to use it for all it's worth. And just that time, if you end up marrying said dating person, um, that one weekend where you got to be together is so short in comparison to the Lord willing long death do us part that you will have in marriage. And I would just say it is worth it to sacrifice, you know, the evening times of when you will be together to, to try to spend it with other people. And it makes the car rides away from the date or away from the group hangout special and fun because you're debriefing it together. You're getting to like tell the person about, you know, the friendships. And um, so I think that all those are really important things. And then another thing about involving community is men, you need to have some brothers alongside of you and, a man ahead of you, women, a band of sisters alongside of you, and a woman ahead of you that you will tell, that you will be honest with, that you will tell the truth to, and that you will um, let in on the kind of ew parts of my own heart, the sinful things that are going on, but also the great things. Give them a realistic picture so that they can speak realistic um, bits of advice and encouragements into your life. If you want them to truly say, yes, this is a good thing, they need to know all the good parts and all the bad parts. And if, if you want someone to give you a true, like, I don't, I'm seeing this. I don't really know what I think about this. 
um, then they need to know the full the full picture of what's going on. That's good. And it takes a lot of humility, right? It takes a lot of like, hey, yeah, this might not be the person that God has for me to marry. Right? And, and it takes humility to just be like, yeah, I had that thought. Or, yeah, he really did say that or do that. And I don't want you to think poorly of him because... Because I like him. And I'm having fun. That's right. That's right. And, uh, but yeah, he's a, he's really a horrible person for me. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, it's not really funny. We shouldn't have laughed at that. But, uh, it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, I really do think that dating is one of these things that it can be done very, very well and, or it can be done very, very poorly. And yeah. you know what? I think the most common is it's done very, very poorly. Yeah. And so we talked about involving community. We brushed over pursue purity, but let's talk about it a little bit more. Sure, sure. I think, uh, yeah, what's it look like to pursue purity? Uh, I think a big part of it, I mean... We're talking about in relationships, like long-term relationships or... Any relationship with the opposite sex I would, or, or, you know... I mean, pursuing purity is important in all areas of our life. But in dating, pursuing purity emotionally and I would say physically are the big things. And we, we just have to come back to do not leave a hint of sexual morality. Wow. And when we think about a hint, like a little drop of sexual morality, that is very clear from God's word. But I think that we want to, just because of our own like twisted like sinful desires want to say like, this is okay or this is not okay. And, and we're not going to say, Hey, you shouldn't kiss until you're married or you shouldn't hold hands until you're married. Or, um, you know, there's some things that God's word is clear about. And one of those things is do not leave a hint of sexual morality. And so just kind of thinking, what does it look like to not only stay away from sexual morality, but what does it look like to pursue purity not to be reactive like oh my gosh we messed up we need to redo our boundaries but how do i walk so like excitedly and confidently into marriage in purity yeah and i would say like i'd reiterate you know it's not just physical purity but emotional purity and uh and so that looks like being aware of the conversations you're having. And uh, so that could be on Skype or wherever, like long distance or, or right in front of each other late at night. Um, being careful with what you share with one another, not being too intimate for where the relationship is currently. That's right. Exactly. And so we will give you a couple applications. But first, we just want to talk about grace. <laughs> because, I mean, if you have listened to our past two episodes you know that we are two people that desperately need grace in this area. And I can imagine that if you've been on a date before, or if you've watched a TV show um, that has a date on it and desired to go on a date, or it really, if you are a human person that has thought about dating, then you probably need grace um, as well in this area. And we would just say, yes, Jesus' blood is enough he is so gracious to forgive us of our sin and he is also so gracious to move us to repentance to where we don't have to be stuck in the same patterns that we've always been in forever and like praise god that that is true because if we were all stuck in the same patterns that we've always been in 
then we would be in patterns of many marriages and many divorces leading to, um, you know, official marriages with official divorces. And like life would just be a mess if God was not so gracious to us and that he would be gracious to forgive us and then to redeem us and let us walk in newness of him. So, yeah. And I think like, I just think of some of the extreme cases or that really aren't so extreme for God's grace. It's actually, you know, not that extreme, but you know, you were talking about Abby Johnson, some, you know, people who were prostitutes, right. And then, but yeah, have great marriages now. Yeah. I uh, did. I, I watched at not Abby Johnson, right. But I mean, she's got a great story, but some people on, yeah, her podcast what literally like um yeah he was just a womanizer porn star and then became a christian is a pastor now has a godly wife three children that's right and so and that wasn't too hard for god to do right and uh and so it's this idea that there is grace and there's so much more grace than we could ever imagine found in um jesus christ yeah and so it is yeah, very powerful grace that you find um, with the God of the Bible. Yeah. And so, and so our big application would just be in dating, focus on Jesus. Yep. Have eyes that are fixed on him. Find him the most loveliest of all. And you will start to find in other people that the loveliest thing about them is him. Yep. That's how much they reflect him. Absolutely. Um, and then two is invest in friendships. We did a podcast a little while back. I think we did one on the stages of development. Yep. And uh, it was that if you're in like your... Uh, 24 to 35-ish years. Yep. You're learning all about deep relationships and friendships. That's part of the thing that you're... Vulnerability are, is key. You're developing in. And so I would say, you know, start start early. You know, and uh, in your 20s and, and build good friendships. And let those carry on into your 30s and 40s and rest of your life. You're going to need them when you get old. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, friendships is key. Don't, don't single anybody out. If you are looking at two or three different women, just be friends with them until you can say, look, I like this woman a lot more than this one and this one. I want to pursue her, you know, her in marriage. Um, and so, yeah, invest in friendships before if possible, before you start dating. Yeah. And uh, and then the last one I think is a really big one. Yeah, we're in such a world of self-help, <laughs> right? Is that what there is? Or self, you know, yeah. self-help? Self-help, self-care. Self-care, self-care, okay. But you need to go back to this idea of, I think it is, you know, self-help is probably a poor idea, but it's this idea that you need to become a person the right person rather than looking for the right person you need to develop your character and uh, there's plenty of room for counseling and and caring for your emotional needs but there's also got to be room made for you to develop and you grow and become a person with godly good character and do what it takes and those are all tools to help with that that's right but i think what you're really getting at is focus on being the right person, not just so that you can go get married and live happily ever after, but focus on becoming the right person so that you will love Jesus more and so that you will have intimacy with him. So the goal in all this is not to be satisfied in marriage, because if that's your goal, 
Might be elusive. Yeah, it's going to be a miserable fail. (laughs) No offense to my husband here. But it's like Jesus will always be the one to satisfy every need that we have. And so we have to focus on that and focus on our relationship with him more than just looking for Mr. Right. That's right. That's right. So this concludes our third part series of um, dating. And uh, again, we think it's a really important topic to discuss in relation to families because one, often families start with dating and two, um, dating can set patterns that can really help a family to thrive or to, um, I don't know, not thrive. And so it's important to, to get this right. Um, even though there is so much grace because, nine out of ten times, 9.9 out of ten times, we don't get it right. That's right. And I would say, too, before we leave, I don't want to just leave without saying it, but let's just say you married this person and they've got all these red flags. But they had them all. Everything we talk about is a red flag. Well, you're still married to them now. And you know what? Now is the time to start to grow and work on your character and to love your spouse, to pour out yourself for your spouse, and both of you all work toward redemption and becoming the people that God has designed for you to be. There is hope. You don't have to jump ship. You don't have to jump out of it. You don't have to say, hey, I rushed into this and it was a big mistake. No, 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 no. There is plenty of time. As long as it's not a abusive relationship where you are being physically and mentally abused and you need to separate, then there's plenty of opportunity to love one another and glorify God in how you serve one another and you grow to become like him and with that i would say if it is if that is you i would say these two things for to you pursue purity pursue god's design and involve community yeah there you go and so even in marriage yeah that's right yeah those things do not just end because you um have a wedding and then a honeymoon you for your entire life are going to have to be pursuing purity because sinful desires don't go away just because you get married they're still there and so you still have to continue to pursue purity and in that situation i think you'd really be having to also pursue god's design especially assuming that there's not some kind of abuse or um unfaithfulness or something like that happening and then involving community so that you can be encouraged and empowered by other godly people to continue to pursue your spouse according to God's design and continue to, you know, um, continue fighting for your marriage, especially if, if someone, the other person is not. Um, but it's just really important to always do those two things. Absolutely. All right. With that, we're going to call it a wrap and, uh, catch you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.